0: Luke chapter one. Hope everybody had a uh, good uh, Thanksgiving. Our family uh, went to uh, we went to Clovis and and uh, had Thanksgiving with my uh, brother and uh, his family and my uh, my mom and my brothers and sisters were there and just had a good time with family. Just had some great food and uh, I hope you guys had a good uh, Thanksgiving as well. I hope you guys uh, ate your fill of uh, turkey and gravy and stuffing. And uh, I was telling them, I said, "Yeah, this is our second Thanksgiving feast. We had one at church on Sunday, and that was a feast, was it not? Here, and uh, then we also had one on Thursday. So we were uh, well fed uh, this week. Really, Thanksgiving is is the kickoff uh, for many Americans." Uh, For the holiday season, if if your family is anything like ours, uh, you probably started the Christmas shopping maybe uh, today or this next week, you'll be getting out all of the Christmas decor and and, uh, swapping out all of the fall decor and getting ready for the Christmas season. If you haven't already, um, you'll probably be turning on that Christmas music and singing along to those Christmas carols and getting prepared uh, for Christmas. And there is something uh, special about the holiday season uh, that just uh, brings a brings a smile and a certain amount of joy uh, to people's. Uh, lives. Matter of fact, this next week, thinking about uh, Christmas, uh, this next week we're going to be having our first Christmas party of the year, and so that'll that'll happen at our house on Friday, and so uh, we are looking forward to that—the first uh, gift exchange uh, of the year. You know, before we know it, uh, for some of you, and it was so for me at least, it seemed like Thanksgiving came so quickly this year, and uh, I imagine that Christmas is going to come just as uh, quickly. Uh, for us this year, I think I say this every year, and I I I do because I do think it's important. Um, don't forget about Christ in the busyness of the season. So we talked about Christmas parties and and gifts, buying gifts and and Christmas decor and Christmas music and all those things. And if we're not careful, as Americans, uh, we can. Forget about Christ, we can, in a way, push Christ out that the holiday season, all the traditions of the holiday season, if we're not careful we'll we'll push out push out christ and so uh, one of the ways uh, that you can keep Christ in Christmas is by staying faithful to church on Sundays. I know this season this month or i'm not this month but next month in december it's going to be a busy month uh, but uh, just staying faithful uh, the church on sunday will help you to remember the reason for the season because all month long we're going to be talking about christ we're going to be talking about christmas matter of fact we're going to start here in luke uh, chapter one which is kind of the beginning of the Christmas story, the very beginning of the Christmas story, and we'll talk about why that is. Uh, but one of the things that you can do for your family is if you don't want them to get all caught up in the material Christmas traditions that we have in America and you want to keep Christ in Christmas, be sure to bring them back to church on Sundays and uh, allow them to be a part of that. Another thing that it would be really good uh, for either you as an individual or as a couple, or as a family. And one of the things that our family does is uh, we actually pick up uh, some type of Advent devotional, something that's going to take us every day and focus on Christmas. And we actually read that as a family and that helps us uh, before we go to bed every night to remember the meaning of Christmas, uh, because it is so easy uh, to get so caught up in 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 the the Christmas movies and and the Santa Claus and and uh, the the Christmas gifts. Uh, that we forget about the reason for the season. So a couple of ideas uh, for you either personally or maybe as a couple or a family uh, to keep Christ in Christmas. Uh, don't forget that this year. Don't let the busyness of a holiday season crowd out Christ. All right. So we're going to be talking about, we're going to be starting a new series called The One Unforgettable Christmas Story. And really, as we focus on the Christmas story, it is an unforgettable Christmas story that has changed generation after generation after generation and continues to change generations. It continues to change young people and adults as they realize the great gift that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be focusing on that for the next several weeks. Uh, Our family, or at least uh, me and my wife, will be gone one of these Sundays. Pastor Callison is going to be preaching, and I'm sure he's going to have a Christmas message as well. Uh, But we're going to be starting a new series, One Unforgettable Christmas Story. And to really start off that new series, uh, we're going to start here with preparing for Christmas. And that's kind of where we are right now, right? And so while uh, we're getting ready for Christmas, I mean, as you'll look around Wilton, uh, we have lots of decorations. We're going to be getting some new Christmas banners to go behind us, and that'll be here this next week, and then I think it'll be all set, but you probably have a lot to do still at your home, maybe hanging Christmas lights and putting up the Christmas tree and all of that. So we want to take some time uh, to talk about that Christmas story, that one unforgettable Christmas story. To do that, we're going to start off here in Luke chapter 1, in verse 5, and I'll have you stand out of respect for God's Word. You could uh, stretch your legs one last time uh, before we really get into the Christmas story. We're going to be starting here in verse 5, and the Word of God says this. The day of Herod, the king of uh, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, of the division of um, Ab- Abijah, and he had a wife and a daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in the, in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, uh, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. While the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the hour of incense, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah." And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. All right, let's stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for the holiday season and what it means for us as Christians as as we remember the fact that Jesus Christ Ah, uh, came. He was born in a manger. He came to live under the law in our place, and eventually to die in our place. And so thank you for that great gift that you have given to us. Lord, we do pray you would help us as as individuals, and as families, as couples, um, to uh, keep you in Christmas. Uh, this year, that we would continue to recall, even even during the busy season, uh, that you would help us to recall that one unforgettable story that continues to change uh, generations. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would meet with us today as we talk about Zachariah and Elizabeth and uh, what you did in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. We're starting here in, in uh, Luke. And uh, Luke is, uh, first of all, one of the things that we should know about the gospel of Luke is that Luke was not an eyewitness uh, to the life of Christ, right? Some of the writers of the gospel, uh, they saw firsthand and uh, they were pinning from from memory uh, the things that they recalled. And uh, so those are those gospels. Luke took a different approach because Luke was not there uh, during Christ's life. And so what he did is he actually went back and and uh, he was a very uh, brilliant man. Matter of fact, uh, when you look and you can't see it in your Bible, but when you look at the writing of Greek, the style that that Luke used, like he used Excellent Greek, as he wrote his his gospel. He was a man that was intelligent uh, and and uh, someone that knew how to take notes and research things. And that's exactly what he did in the Gospel of Luke. And so what he began to do is he began to ask questions. He began to take notes. He began to write down, and what he did is he compiled the story of Christ, from eyewitness accounts so he wasn't an eyewitness account but he talked to other people that had experienced christ and he got all of that information and he recorded for us in the book of luke that is one of the reasons why luke starts off different than all the other gospels none of the other gospels talk about the birth of john the baptist uh, they either launch right into the birth of Christ or they launch right into the ministry of Christ. But none of them go back to the birth of John the Baptist. And that's where we're starting today because really John the Baptist paved the way for Christ. And so as we think about preparing Christmas, John the Baptist was the man that God raised up to prepare the way for that Christmas story. So that's where we're starting today. And really, as we think about this account, um, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, their account is an account of hope. And we're gonna see why. We're gonna see it over and over again, this account of hope that we see through uh, both Zachariah and Elizabeth. But as we get started, the very first thing that we need to note here is that we can trust God Always, we can trust God. Always, the first thing that we see today is that the God, um, that God, the God of hope, uh, we can trust Him no matter what the circumstances are. Now, one of the things that I did talk about in my intro is I talked about the fact that for many Americans, the holiday season brings them an amount of joy, but there is also in a part of America. Uh, that when they get into the holiday season, uh, that sometimes it can be a little discouraging for them. But really, as we think about the place that we find Zechariah and Elizabeth in, they could have been discouraged because of the position they were in. But instead of showing that discouragement, they actually show hope. They actually show trust in the Lord. And so we see that starting in verse 5. So notice there in verse 5 it says it says in the days of Herod the king of Judea. All right, let's stop there real quick in the days of Herod. Now Herod is the guy you're probably thinking, all right? Herod is the guy recorded in Matthew that was was so protective of his throne that he went out and in the in book of Matthew records it for us that he went out and he killed all of the male babies two years and under to protect his throne. And so when we think about the king that Zechariah is under, this is not like King David. He's, he's not a good king. Uh, this is a, a, is a ruthless king. Now, I think King Herod was good at one time. Matter of fact, uh, people did look up to him. He did a lot for Israel, uh, but then he turned bad pretty quickly as he began to, to protect his throne. And so this is the leadership over top of, of Zechariah. So he is serving in the temple and this is the place that he's serving. This is the time that he's serving really under a not so great king. All right, that's the very first thing that we want to point out is is that idea of where he is serving. He's serving under the king and so he trusts God under King Herod. All right, he trusts God under King Herod. Uh, not a good king, but a king that God had had in place during this time uh, nonetheless. And so we see this in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now, one might think, well, if, Zachari- if Zachariah was under some bad leadership and and he had this bad king, maybe he took some opportunity to also do some bad things uh, because obviously it probably wouldn't look as bad since uh, the king uh, is not that great. But what we find here, what was recorded in the beginning of, of Luke here is that they were both, that is both um, Zechariah and Elizabeth were both righteous before God. Now what does that mean righteous before God? What that means is they were faithful to the Lord. There may have been many people that were not faithful during Zechariah and Elizabeth's time, but Zechariah and Elizabeth were known as people who were faithful to the Lord. The king wasn't faithful, but they were faithful. And so even though they could have had an opportunity to um, give into the flesh in their circumstances, they did not give into the flesh Instead, they continued to do what was right. They were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And so they were faithful to the Lord. They were right with the Lord. The second thing that we see here is they stayed faithful to the Lord even through personal struggles. And Elizabeth also trusted the Lord. She trusted God through personal trials. And so notice here in verse 7, But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. All right, we're given some evidence uh, here of what's happening. The very first thing is that they have no children. One of the reasons why they have no children is because Elizabeth is barren. What is is that? God has closed her womb. There is no doubt in my mind that they have prayed over and over and over again that God would give them um, a child, And what they saw was that God said, no, 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 no. But we're actually, what we're going to see is that their story is a story of hope. Because it wasn't that God was saying, no, 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 no. Instead, he was saying, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. And so uh, he is uh, going to give them um, a son, and he is going to be um, a great son. But you can imagine that that uh, trial that Elizabeth is, is going through, a matter of fact, it would be even more extreme during Elizabeth's time than our time. And so sometimes uh, couples, they, they do get married, and because of one reason or another, they are, they are not able to have children. And that is a big trial. But here for Elizabeth and Zachariah, when someone could not have children, that was looked at as God must, must not like you. There must be something in your life and God is judging you. Now, why would they say that? Well, because children were part of the lineage. I mean, everything was kept inside the family and, and property and homes and all of those things were passed from generation to generation to generation. And for you not to have kids, that meant, in a way, this is the way that people would perceive it, that God was like cutting you off, that he wasn't going to allow your, um, your tree to continue to move forward. So you can imagine in the culture of Zachariah and Elizabeth that she is really weighed down with this. And so this is not just like having a bad day. This is not only a problem uh, with Elizabeth and Zechariah, the fact that they could not have children, but other people would also look down on them. And we actually see that here in verse 25 based upon some of the words that she says. Notice what she says here in verse 25. "Thus, uh, Thus, the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away... My reproach among people, shall so she refers to this fact that you know what? there are people that that when they look at us that they do look down on us because we're not able uh, to have children, but God, the God of hope, uh, has decided to give us uh, that and to take away that reproach. And so Zachariah, he's he's uh, serving under under a man that's not a great leader as as king. Uh, his wife is going through some personal trials. Uh, again, uh, here they are, uh, barren and advanced in years. That that time for bearing children has has come and gone, and it, and really, they could have taken the the way out of you know what? I I give up on God. I mean, here's this king, he's a bad guy, and and God's not even answering our prayers to give us children, and they could have very easily given up on the Lord and given into the flesh. But we don't see this happen for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Instead, again, what is is recorded of them? Well, in verse 6, and they were both righteous before God. They were faithful. They continued to do what was right, even during hard times. Now, what is our first takeaway as we think about uh, these two? The first takeaway is this: it is often easier to point fingers and to say, "You know what? I would do better if so and so." It's so easy to do that. As a matter of fact, some people uh, even point fingers at God and say, "You know what? It would be so easy, so much easier if God would do this." for me. But James reminds us that it is not God, but really it is that flesh that comes uh, that comes out of us, that sin part of us that um um moves us in the wrong direction, moves us away from the Lord and and James says this in in verse 13. He says, "Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when He is lured and enticed by his own desire." So James points this out, and it would have been very easy for, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, they could have said, "Well, this and this, and that's why we're doing this." But they didn't do that. Instead, they did what was right. And so, our first takeaway this morning, as we think about trusting the Lord always, is really doing what is right, even in the bad days. And there are bad days, right? So, sometimes it is maybe something like uh, this, this couple is going through. Uh, maybe it's financial bad days. Maybe it's relationship bad days. Bad days do come, but we don't walk away from the lord instead we continue to serve the lord we continue to grow in the lord we continue to worship the lord again this couple could have walked away and given into the flesh they could have given up on the lord but instead we find them faithful faithfully serving the lord So that's our first takeaway to trust the lord Always trust the Lord. Always, there's a second thing that, that happens here, and it's actually quite remarkable uh, once you begin to kind of process it uh, for Zechariah. So Zechariah, he's called uh, to serve, all right? And this is all within God's will. God is orchestrating this whole thing, all right? He is orchestrating this whole thing because God is sovereign. Here in verse eight, now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, all right? There's a couple of things that we don't understand right away because we are, uh, we are outside of this culture. So what is a division? Uh, well, from the Old Testament, we find out that there was 24 divisions of priests, and so priests served uh, in the temple two weeks out of the year. All right, they they worship the Lord um, all the time, but but uh, they were actually serving at the temple two weeks. And so, first of all, this is the two weeks of the year that we see Zechariah is on duty uh, there in the temple. While he was serving as priest before God, his division was on duty, all right? So this is the perfect time. This is the two weeks where he is serving there And this would have been normal, all right? This would have been normal for a priest. They would go and they would uh, serve the Lord in this capacity. And so Zechariah was right where God wanted him, all right? God had chosen for him to be a part of of that family uh, to serve in the temple. Zechariah was right where God wanted him. But there's something special that happens to him, all right? Something that would only happen once in his entire life. And that is in the very next verse. Look at verse nine. According to the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. All right, chosen by lot. All right, so as the, that division would come and, and they would serve, uh, they would draw lots and um, the lot fell on him that he would burn incense in the temple. Now, what did he do? Okay, so here we have Zechariah. Every morning and every evening, he would enter the temple. He would go and he would burn incense right outside the most holy place. All right, he was the only person allowed in that area. And once you were chosen, you were never chosen again. This thing was very, very special. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a priest. A priest was chosen by lot. Now, what does that word "lot" mean? It's chosen by lot. That means that it was chosen by random. All right. And why would they choose things by random? Well, they did that because they they had this idea that if we choose by random, then we're not choosing who serves. Instead, God chooses who serves. And so they would choose it by lot. And so the fact that they did this means that God chose Zechariah. So again, the two weeks of the year, we have Zechariah, on duty. God chooses him to serve him in this most high position of burning incense, going in to really a place that many of the priests had not been But this priest uh, did have an opportunity to serve in this fashion. So he's right in the middle of God's will, burning incense in a very high honor place, something that he would never do again, but he had an opportunity to do this time. And then we see something happen. So Zechariah was given a message of hope a message of hope. We see this in verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Again, because of the the way in which someone was served, he is all alone, all right? He was normally, and I don't know if this happened on day one or it happened close to the end. I don't know. Actually, it wouldn't have been uh, the very end because it says that after he finished serving, so he did have some other time to serve. So maybe it was on day one, I don't know. He goes in. He's, he should be all alone in there, all right? He's burning incense all alone, but then all of a sudden he sees someone else there. He sees an angel. And so Lord of, of the angel of the Lord, um, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of that altar of incense. And notice there in verse 13, and we're not gonna cover all of this. We're actually gonna kind of fast forward through this uh, for the sake of time this morning, but notice there in verse 13, and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. All right, so we get some good news here something that him and his wife had been praying for for a long time. And remember we talked about they had prayed and it may have appeared to them that God continued to say, no, 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 no. But now what we find out is God was actually saying, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. God was listening and God had everything worked out. Again, Zachariah and Elizabeth, right where God wants them to be. Zechariah, exactly where God wants them to be. And really in life, trials may come, but we can trust God's sovereignty. We can trust God's will. There might be times in our life where we do become discouraged, but we can trust that God does have a plan in all he does. So we have here this this hope, this hope. Drop down to verse 16. Look at verse 16. And he will turn many, that is your son John, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. All right, this was the second discouragement. I imagine that was in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Remember, they don't have a great king. Matter of fact, there were probably people that were not doing the right thing. When we when we go to the account of, of uh, when that the wise men actually go and talk to the king, uh, we find out that the scribes look things up. They they look up where Jesus should be born, but you know nobody actually goes down to worship. And so you would think maybe the king would. The king doesn't. You would think maybe the religious leaders would, but they don't either. Instead, these Gentile kings come. And they worship Christ. And so the 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 time in which Zachariah is serving is probably not a very good time. And yet they continue to be faithful. And so Zechariah, let's see here. And so Zechariah was right there. There may have been uh so he's there and and uh Uh, What the angel says is, you know what? This son is going to bring people back to the Lord and that he's going to prepare the way. He's going to ready the people uh, for the Lord. And so this is all good news to Zechariah. But, but, Zechariah doubts the message. Notice there in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife, Is advanced in years. All right, so Luke's already recorded for us that she was barren and they were advanced in years, and um, he says the same thing. All right, so as the angel says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to have Elizabeth is going to have a son, and this son is going to be great. He's going to turn Israel. uh, He's going to he's going to turn Israel back to the Lord, and uh, he he thinks, wow, this is all great, and then he begins to think to himself, is this too good? to be true. Is this too good to be true? Is it really true that God has heard my prayer? Is it really true that God is going to use my son to do all of these great things? And so he begins to doubt. And really the question here that he asks, how shall I know this? What John or what Zechariah is asking is he's saying, give me a sign so I'll know that this is true. Give me a sign that I'll know this is true. Now, he's already been given a sign because this has already happened to another couple, right? Who had it happened to in the Old Testament? Well, Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah were barren for a long time. God said, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna build a nation. And and both Sarah and Abraham thought, well, we're already advanced in years. This is probably not gonna happen. And so what do they do? They used, they used um, uh, Hagar. Uh, to to have a child and that didn't turn out very well for them. Matter of fact, uh, there uh, Abraham he says when God says no, I'm I'm going to give you a nation. He says, well, I already have this other son. And God says, no, 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 not that son. It's going to be a son between you and Sarah. And so it is possible. Zechariah already had a son. Uh, already had um, a way to know uh, because God had already done this uh, before. And so Zechariah was looking for a sign, but the angel did give him a sign nonetheless. And so what did the angel do? Well, he caused Zechariah not to be able uh, to speak. And you know what? It's one thing to think, you know what? God can do all of these great things. And it's another thing to say, I believe and I accept that God can do all of these great things. You know what? Sometimes the promises that are laid out in the word of God, we might be tempted to think through a rational mind and say to ourselves, could this be possible or is it too good to be true? And let me just say that God is faithful to keep his promises. When God promises us something, he is faithful to keep that promise. And so when we talk about eternal life and and having no aches and pains and being able to to once again have fellowship with our loved ones and our friends, that will happen because God has given us that promise. Now let me share with you something that happened in my life. All right? So when I was um when I was uh, in high school, the Lord started working in my life and and uh he he started uh, calling me into full- time ministry, and this is this is my my calling story, and uh, it was it was on the way to the bus, and so i I, I rode the bus uh, to high school um, uh, during my freshman sophomore year, and uh, so I would walk to the bus, and normally, I walk all by myself, and so the Lord began to lay on my heart, John, I want you to go into full- time ministry." And I began to tell God all the reasons why I was not a good candidate for being a pastor one day or going into full-time ministry. So I talked about, well, you know, my parents don't serve in the church, or my parents are divorced, and I go to a public school, and I don't get good grades. And I began to lay out all of the reasons why God should not choose me, but then I gave God some good candidates that he should choose. And then I began to say, what about so-and-so in the youth group? I mean, his parents serve in the church, and his dad's a deacon. Or what about so-and-so? They're homeschooled, and, and uh, they know much more of the Bible than, than I do. I mean, I go to a public school. I, I don't have Bible class, but they learn Bible at home. And I began to tell God all the reasons why I was not a good candidate and why these other people were better candidates. And there was one day as I was walking to the bus, I eventually I, aven- I, I I did surrender. I made that decision. You know what, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. But I said this. This was the uh, the cause there. But if I do this, Lord, I need your help. Of course, as a young man, I did not realize how important that statement would be until I was a pastor one day and realizing how much I do need God's help. And you know what? God did help me. Did I get straight A's in college? I wish I could stand in front of you and say I did, but I did not. But you know, God brought me through college. And so I trusted him. Then when I got out of college, I, I wasn't married. I didn't find a wife at college. And so I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And God opened up a door for me to work at a Christian camp. And I did all kinds of stuff at, at, uh, at uh, Castle Point Ministries or Camp Lucerne. I did all kinds of things as I served the Lord. God opened up that door. And as I was serving there at Camp Lucerne, who comes in the door? My future wife, and so she was. Uh, she was on deputation to to go to Guadalajara, Mexico, as a missionary. She was visiting churches here in California, and uh, we started off just serving the Lord together. And uh, then we started to grow in our uh, like for each other. And then we decided that, you know, or we, there, there was just that sense that, you know what, I think it's becoming more than just a like for each other and a friendship. And so I talked to my parents and she talked to hers. And of course, she talked to her mission board and everybody said, God is in this. And so uh, instead of going to Mexico, I brought her to the mission field of California. And so her pastor was not very excited about it because that was the missionary they were sending from her church to go to a different country. And I just told him, I said, hey, California is a mission field too. I'm just taking her to another place. And so uh, I, I tried to at least smooth it over with him. So God opened up the door for me to go into the ministry. God brought me through college. God gave me a good wife. But then what happened after that? Well, then after college, I was like, okay, now where am I going to serve? I want to serve in a church. I'm married. I'd love to become a youth pastor, work with teenagers. And God opened up that door as well. And so I graduated uh, with with a a second degree from Bob Jones, and and I was saying, you know what, where am I going to go? And I wanted to come back here to California. God opened up a door, and I was able to be a youth pastor, assistant pastor for like six or seven years. Six or seven years? Six years? Seven years. And uh, then just as that door was closing... I mean, literally, it was it was closed, and the youth group had had uh, 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 shrank, and um, because we were graduating so many people out of the youth group, and uh, they couldn't support me anymore, because the church had also shrank, and uh, there was just people were moving out of California back then, just as they are today, and so it was it was a sad time. They couldn't support me anymore, and so they said, "You know what? We'll be able to support you through the end of um, May. The end of May." And I didn't realize, and again, this is me trusting the Lord. Remember, when I was just a young man, I said, Lord, if if you want me to do this full-time ministry thing, you're going to have to help me along the way. As that door was closing, this door was opening up. And so I literally, they packed my U-Haul in Sonora. And I drove down here, and some of you helped me unpack the U-Haul when I got here. And so the Lord has been faithful to me, not because I'm some great pastor or great guy, because I make mistakes, but God is faithful to me despite my mistakes. And that's the same thing that we're going to see with Zechariah. Zachariah, he did have some disbelief. I mean, he asked for a sign. How do I know this is true? Because me and my wife, we're, we're older in years. And matter of fact, if, if maybe if we were in their situation, maybe we would ask the same thing. Show me a sign. I, I know that you did it for Abraham and, and Sarah, but for me, God, are you really gonna give me a child of my old age that's gonna do all these remarkable things? I gotta have some proof here. Maybe we would reply the same way. But you know, God stays faithful to Zechariah despite his wavering uh, faith, and that's what, again why this account of of Zechariah and Elizabeth is just an account of of hope, because truly, uh, Zechariah, even though he he had some disbelief. God was faithful to him. And so notice there in verse 19, this is uh, what the angel says to him when he asked for a sign. Verse 19, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. And to bring you this good news, and so uh, the angel Gabriel, he's just saying, "I'm not saying this on my my own um my own effort, really, this is a message from God. I'm just telling you what God said, and in verse twenty, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So what happens to Zechariah? Well, Zechariah has, uh, uh, he can't speak. He becomes mute. And so um, this is a reminder to him every day uh, that God will keep his promise. I mean, he wanted a sign and the angel said, I'm going to give you a sign that you will remember day after day, after day, after day, after day, until the baby is born. And so he got the sign that he was looking for. Drop down to verse 23. Look at verse 23. And when his time of service was ended, that is when Zachariah's time of service had ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. All right, just as the angel said, all right, even though Elizabeth was barren uh, for for much of her life and and now here she is in her old age, uh, both her and Zechariah, God keeps his promise. God is faithful to keep his promise even despite Zechariah's lack of faith. God keeps his promise. Nonetheless. All right. So the very first thing uh, that we, we think about our first takeaway as we think about uh, this account is we can trust God always. All right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, they did have some trials in their life, but they continued to do what was right and to trust of the Lord. And then we're going to also trust God's will. God is sovereign. All right? He is sovereign and we don't go through things on accident. And so continue to trust the Lord. And then we see this last thing here. We can trust God during trials. We can trust him in his sovereignty, and so we can receive that hope. We can receive God's hope. And so we see that they do receive uh, that hope. So this message of hope that Zachariah received uh, was hard to keep a secret and so notice there we're going to fast forward a little bit in our account here to verse 57 and we're going to end their kind of uh, their experience here. and so in verse 57 it says this, "Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. What had happened? Uh, there in the temple with Zachariah, they couldn't hide. All right, as soon as as soon as Elizabeth started the show, they the people knew what was going on. The fact that Zechariah was no longer able to speak, now Elizabeth was now pregnant in her old age. Someone who thought that they would never have a child, and so they rejoiced. Uh, they rejoiced with her. I'm not sure if you've ever really wanted something for Christmas. And when you got it, how did you react? And so uh, we were, our family, uh, we watched uh, a Christmas um, version of, of uh, what was it? Oh, America's funniest home videos. And there were some reactions of kids that got gifts that they were really looking forward to and they were ecstatic. I remember in my own life. There was one time in my middle school, my middle school years, um, that I wanted a portable CD player. For those of you that are teenagers, that would be like an iPhone these days. And so um, I was so excited, or a cell phone these days. I was so excited and I unwrapped that and I ran around uh, the house and I was so excited to be able to, to get that. And I would show it to people and, and I would, I would, I would uh, uh, take it with me on trips and, and it was always close to my side. I was so happy to, to have that. But you know, that... Does not pair that 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 is not a good comparison to what Elizabeth experienced. Because Elizabeth had prayed and talked to the Lord many for many, many years. And then she got to hold that baby boy that God had given her. She had that gift that God had promised, that God had given to her. And I can only imagine that joy that Elizabeth and Zechariah had uh, for that baby. And then Notice there in verse uh, 59, it says this, "In the eighth day they came to circumcise a child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But the mother answered, no, he shall be called John. All right, so they, remember, uh, Zechariah is mute. So they asked the mother, uh, what shall he be called? And uh, shall we just call him Zechariah after his father? And she says, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And so they thought, well, why are you doing this? And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to be called. So they turned from the mother and they said, John, that's not even nobody's name, John. And, and they went over to the, to the father and they said, okay, whom shall we call this baby? And he answered by writing on a tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open. that is, Zechariah's mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. So he received this gift. He named it John. He named the baby John just as the angel told him to. And the whole thing came to completion. That promise was kept, even though he doubted just for a short time. He was given a sign to be mute until the until uh, the the baby was named, and once the baby was named, he praised God. If you have experienced the joy of Christmas now that uh, now during this Christmas time is is really a great time to be able to share Christ with others. I mean, so many people already. Um, Get into the Christmas spirit, and and they're already there's even people that don't go to church. There's a little part of them that realizes that it's not just about Santa Claus and Christmas trees, and so it's a great opportunity to be able to share uh, Christmas or that the reason for Christmas with others. It's also a great opportunity uh, for us to be able to invite people uh, to Wilton Bible Church because there's some people they only go, some families only go to church twice a year. All right, Easter and Christmas. And so you guys have a, perf- a perfect opportunity, all right? So if your neighbors don't, uh, don't go to church regularly, guess what? They may actually come to church with you on Christmas because that might be one of the two days that they come. And then you can share Jesus Christ, the reason for the season, with them. Now, I imagine and I believe that when Zachariah and Elizabeth had the baby they showed that baby off to everybody. You gotta see the baby, all right? You gotta see John. God gave us a gift in our old age. You gotta see John. You know what? We have that same opportunity, all right? If we've experienced that gift of Jesus Christ, we can share that gift of Jesus Christ with others. Now, what happened to John? Well, John did go on to preach uh, uh, preach repentance. As a matter of fact, uh, this is what is recorded for us. He did prepare the way for Christ, and in Matthew it says this: in Matthew three one and two. And in those days, John the Baptist, the same John that was just born to us uh, there in Luke, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And so uh, John did the same thing. He went out and he began to, uh, to. Uh, encourage people to repent now, what does repent mean? Well, repent means that uh, that they would turn from their ways and and turn towards the Lord. Repent literally means to take a one eighty and so if they're headed in this direction, that word repent literally means to to turn around and go the other direction and the idea is this: when we repent, we say this: I agree with God, not. With myself. And so repent is I agree that God is right and true. And wherever I am going, if it's not in the direction that God wants me to go, I repent of that and I go in the direction of God because God is right. That's the idea of repent. And that's exactly what John uh, the Baptist was encouraging people to do, to repent of their sins, to turn from that and to turn back towards God. Now, that is a different gospel than, than what we preach today, all right? John didn't preach the same gospel. He was looking forward to Christ. We preach the gospel looking back to what Christ has done. And so John was, was encouraging people to get ready for the Messiah. Uh, we look back and say the Messiah has come And uh, we celebrate that during that Christmas time. So it's similar, not the same, but similar to what we preach today. Matter of fact, Peter, under, under the control of the Holy Spirit, when asked what they must do to be saved, this was his reply. And this comes from Acts 2, 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And so Peter had just preached the gospel to them. And in in verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent, that is, agree with God and be baptized each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift, O Holy Spirit. And so Christ is that sinner, but it's still saying, you know what? I agree with God. And so if you're not a Christian here today, what would you agree with? Well, first of all, we would agree that I am a sinner, okay? And sin is anything that we do that goes against God or anything that we don't do that God would want us to do. And so we are all sinners, the Bible says. Even me, Pastor Schmidt, is a sinner. I need a Savior. That second thing is to agree that I need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is that Savior. I need to agree I'm a sinner. I need to agree that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He came, he lived for me, he died in my place, and he came back to life. That third thing is to accept it, all right? During Christmas time, we understand the idea of accepting gifts, that's all we have to do. We have to accept and believe. Put your faith and trust in that. I'm a sinner, Jesus Christ came, he lived in my spot, and he died in my spot. And I put my trust in him. I accept that gift. That's how we share it with others as well. We can easily share that good news of Jesus Christ with others. And so, preparing for Christmas is about sharing Christ, uh, the Christ of Christmas, with others. And so, if we want to prepare for Christmas, keeping Christ in Christmas is also sharing Christ with others around us. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you uh, for this account of hope for Zachariah and Elizabeth. Uh, here they were kind of in a challenging time of, of life and, and living through some uh, personal challenges uh, but Lord, you are a good God, and that you keep your promises. And so, Lord, no matter what circumstance we might find ourselves in today, whatever uh, Christmas season uh, we tend to experience, uh, help us to trust you. Help us to recognize that that uh, Christmas is is not about just gifts and Christmas trees, uh, but the 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 important part of Christmas is about your love and your gift to us. Uh, Jesus Christ. Help us to be confident in your sovereignty. No matter where life may take us, help us to realize that you are in control and that you go with us as Christians. And lastly, Lord, if we have accepted that gift, help us to share that gift with others. May others rejoice um, because of Christ in our life. So Lord, help us to be able to share that good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.